We had, if you, if you didn't hear, we had over 150 people be part of over 20 different projects in our city. And uh, I got to be a part of our grocery giveaway where we had a number of us set up at Checkers. We gave away a semi-full load of groceries, over 1,500 boxes. Yeah. Over 1,500 boxes, over uh, $15,000 worth of groceries to over 300 different cars that came through the line, and uh, just so cool. So I want to say thank you for being a generous church. Thank you for uh, being so faithful in your giving during a time where it'd be so easy to shrink back, and really, truthfully, so many people are holding on to what they have. Thank you for being a church that leans in and is living out the bold and large and expansive life that God has for you. In fact, that's exactly what we're talking about in this series. We are talking about how to live naked and unafraid. And if you are just joining us for the first time today, uh, what we're talking about is embracing the risk and experiencing the reward of the wide open, large life that God has called you to live. And I love this series in particular because woven into the fabric of our church culture is this tenet of embracing risk. You got to understand, embracing risk is not just for the sake of being reckless. Embracing risk is about the reward on the other side of it. Now, for us as a church, embracing risk is about the people that we can lead to Christ, the people that don't know Jesus yet, the bringing those far from God near to life in Christ, seeing the lost found, seeing the lost saved. That's why we do what we do. But for you, maybe there's an opportunity in front of you right now. And maybe the opportunity, there's just a door that is, is just cracked open just a little bit. I want to encourage you today to just blow the door wide open and step into and walk into what God is calling you into. And I think we're going to have some fun with this today. I'm telling you, God has more for you. God has more for you. But what God has for you, he's always calling you outside of your comfort zone. It's not going to be where you just feel safe and secure. It's going to feel a little bit on edge. It requires you to live naked and unafraid. And I get the irony of doing a series called Naked and Unafraid when so much of our world is masked and fearful. Now, understand, I'm not against masks. Everybody in here is wearing a mask. It's good. It's wisdom. But I'm talking about the mindset that keeps us held hostage from living the way God has called us to live. I'm talking about a mentality that we hide behind that keeps us from stepping into our calling. And that's why we've been in this series. We've been looking at five different keys to live this naked and unafraid life. The first week, if you missed it, was to risk exposure. And we looked at the life of David, a story in David's life, where he stripped off his kingly robes and danced in the street. That's where the title of this book that we base the series on comes from, Naked and Unafraid. He took off his kingly robes, went in the street, and worshiped the Lord. Second week, we heard a great message from Pastor Andrew called Abandoned Smallness, where we learned to leave little behind and step into the big, expansive life that God has for us. Then last week, we heard from Nate Andre. 
And he talked about how to push past criticism and the difference between criticism and critique. And it was so good. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Well, today I want to talk about the fourth key, and that is to own your story. Own your story. Part of being vulnerable, part of living naked and unafraid is being willing to own your story. And when I say own your story, I mean all of your story, taking complete ownership, not not just the things that you like, not just the things that you're responsible for, but taking ownership of every card that you've been dealt. And I got to tell you, this message is for some people today. (laughs) This message is the one out of the five that has the power to change your life. This message is is the one that it is going to change your future. If you put it into practice, I'm telling you, God has a word for you today. I don't believe you you, you tuned into this message online just to hear a sermon. In fact, if you've been part of our church for any amount of time at all, you know that I don't just get up here to preach a sermon to you. Every time I get up, (laughs) I come because I believe God has given me something to impart to you. That it's something that has the opportunity to bless your life and change your life. And if you're ready for this today, I'm I'm just asking you to lean into it. And for those of you who are sitting here, you got to know you're not just here to observe and listen in. You're here because this message is for you. I, I, I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know what you're walking out into. But this message is just as much for you as everybody else who's on the other side of the screen. So let's lean in today. Let's take some notes today. You know, the best way to move a message from your head to your heart is with your hand. So maybe you want to type something in on your phone. Maybe you want to write something down. I believe God is going to change your life through this word because when you take ownership of the cards that you've been dealt, when you take ownership of the pain that you've felt, when you allow God to come in and help you, he will help you get into the place that he's called you to do. To be, He'll turn it into a positive outcome. He'll move you in to the life he's called you to live. And I want to set this up for you with our main scripture today. It's found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. This is our main scripture. I only got one scripture for you. Galatians 6, verse 5. I want to read it from the message translation. This is what it says. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Don't you love the way it says that? Since I only got one verse, I want to read it one more time. A double dose. This is what it says. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So the question we have to answer, the question we have to ask ourselves is, given the good, the bad, and the ugly, are you doing the creative best with everything you've done and everything that's been done to you? Are you taking responsibility for your own life? And I I get that this message isn't always popular. I get that sometimes it's even hard to hear. But there are some times we got to pause, we got to pray for the things that have happened in our life and say, God, what am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to handle this? When I'm talking about taking ownership of your life, I'm I'm not talking about just the good things, just the things that are beneficial, just the things that are helpful, just the things that are easy, just the things that you like. I'm talking about taking ownership 
of the things. Maybe some of the things that have been passed down to you from your family. Maybe some of the things that have happened in your past. Maybe some of the things that have happened in your upbringing. Maybe some of the things that you wish wouldn't have happened, that you didn't ask for, that you didn't want, but they happened. They might even be in your present. They might be your current reality. You got to take ownership, owning every part of your story. And the best way I can illustrate this is with a story from my own life. Uh, my wife and I, we actually uh, rented for 10 years before we ever bought a house. I think for some people that seems like a long time. Like, man, why, why would you rent for so long? But renting's not all bad. I mean, for one, um, especially like the last place we lived before we bought our first house, uh, it was great. I mean, they mowed the lawn for you. Like, you didn't have to mow the lawn. That was amazing. That's a miracle from the Lord. I didn't have to buy a mower. I didn't have to break a sweat. It was just done for. I didn't have to pay any extra. It just happened. Somebody say praise the Lord for that. That's, yeah, isn't that great? Rent, renting's not all bad, you know. So when, when you rent, if, if that needs painted, they'll, they'll paint the room for you. At least give you the paint to do it. <laughs> if renting's not all bad, like, you know, if an appliance breaks, you get a new appliance. Or somebody comes and fixes it. Like, like it wasn't bad. So, so we rented for 10 years and trying to be fiscally responsible when we were able to buy our first house. And, and, and it was great. It was, it was not all bad. But once we bought our first house, though, we weren't in the house for very long, and our water heater broke. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. Uh, this was the first time it, it ever happened to me. And uh, I, I remember the day I got a call from my lovely wife on the phone, and she said, babe, something has happened. There's, there's water all over the floor, water all over the closet, all over our bedroom. It's in the kitchen. It's in the garage. I don't know what it is. Later, Like the water heater is broken. You got to do something about this. Now, you understand, like, I'm on the other end of the phone and say, babe, let's be honest here. You didn't marry me for my handyman ability. Like, like, you know I'm not good with tools. In fact, you told me you married me for my booty and my money. That's what you said. Like, I don't know what you want me to do about this. I don't even know who to call. Like, what are you supposed to do with the water? Do you, do you get it fixed? Do you get a new one? I, I don't know. Who do you call for that kind of stuff? And... So easy, you know, in that moment, like, like I, I could have said, this isn't my fault. I mean, I don't know the first thing about water heaters. I, I'm, I'm not that, that guy. And really, like, maybe they should have put a better water heater in the house when they built the house. Maybe the manufacturer of this water heater should have done a little more quality control so it wouldn't break. Man, you know, maybe... It was the previous owner. They should have taken better care of it or they, they should have let us know that, that it was going to be about due to be replaced or, or maybe in the inspection report that, that should have come up. None of that stuff came up. But you know what? Even though it wasn't my fault, it was my house. And if, if I wanted, if I, uh, believe me, my wife let me know, if I wanted to have a happy wife, if I ever wanted to take a hot shower again, if I ever wanted to take a hot shower with a happy wife, I needed to fix the water heater. It wasn't my fault, but it was mine to own. It's my responsibility to fix it and make it better. And the truth is, for many of us, your life might have broken down somewhere. It might not be your fault. 
It had nothing to do with choices you made or places you put yourself into, but your life has broken down and it is running every place except where you want it to go. And it's easy to say, but it's not fair. I didn't do that. I don't know anything about this. It's not my fault. But if you don't take ownership and you don't fix it, you can't make it better. And I'm saying this right now because this message is for everybody who feels stuck. I don't want you to stay stuck. I don't want you to stay stuck in offense, stuck in bitterness, stuck in your pain, stuck in your hurt, stuck in anger, in, in resentment, stuck in unforgiveness. I don't want you to stay stuck. And I'm telling you, if you will own it, take ownership of your life. Only when you own it can you change it. Only when you own it can you get unstuck. Only when you own it can you get healed. Only when you own it can you get healthy. Only when you own it can God help you be the person that he's called you to be. Brene Brown, famous author and research professor, she said this, when we deny our stories, they define us. In other words, you could say it this way, when you don't own your story, it will own you. When you don't own what happened to you, I'm not saying it was your fault, I'm not saying it was your choosing, but when you don't own what happened to you, when you don't own your story, when you don't own your past, when you don't own your choice, when you don't own it, it sounds counterintuitive, but the truth is, when you don't own your story, it actually becomes your identity. What you deny ends up defining you. And only when you own it can you change it. In the book, Naked and Unafraid, Pastor Kevin, he, he talks about this concept called the full ownership policy. And this is what it is. The full ownership policy is all in, no victim, no blame, no excuses. Let me give it to you one more time so you can write it down. The full ownership policy. It is all in, no victim, no blame, no excuses. Let's talk about that first one. Full ownership means that you are all in. You know, the truth is we live in a world that wants maximum return for a mediocre investment. I, I don't know what that would be for you. Maybe you can relate to it. I don't want to get too personal. Maybe, maybe you relate to that in, in your retirement account. Maybe, maybe you relate to that in your savings account. For, for me, there's a very specific place where I can relate to this, uh, and, and that is at the gym. At the gym. Don't laugh too hard. It's hurtful when you do, but... Um, <laughs> You've heard me talk about it before, and some of you are like, you know, Pastor Justin, uh, you know, you're looking pretty good. Well, thank you. Five times this past week. Five times. Yeah, I did it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Your, 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 pity, your, your, your pity laughs and, and applause really makes me feel better. But um, the truth is, I've been at, at the gym for a while, and, and uh, I remember like seven years ago, and I, I'd, I'd like been putting two years like solid into the gym just getting frustrated, just 
not seeing the results that, that, that I want to see. And I'm thinking, man, is this even working? Is this even paying off? And, and I, I remember uh, I'd, I'd built a relationship with one of the guys that, that worked at the gym where I was and was talking to him, just kind of venting some of my frustration. I was like, man, this isn't working. Like I've been at the gym for two years and I'm just not, still not six pack abs. Like what's, what's happening here? And he's, he's telling me, well, tell me a little bit about your, your regimen. Tell me about your routine. And so I kind of went into some detail about how often I was coming. And he's like, well, tell me kind of the stuff you're doing. And I told him some of the stuff I was doing. And I'll never forget at the end of it, he said, I, I, I see. You're wanting a lot out of it, but you're not putting much into it. Yeah, so after I punched him in the face, <laughs> uh, I've realized that a lot of us, we live our lives that way. We, we, we live our lives overestimating what we're putting into something not realizing that's the reason we're getting minimal results you're getting back what you're putting in if you want more out of it you got to put more into it this is true in every area this is true in your marriage this is true in your relationships this is true in your investments this is true in your careers this is true in your studies can I tell you, this is also true in our worship. This is true in our giving. Yeah, this is true in our spiritual life. If you want more out of it, you, you got to put more into it. If you're not getting back what you've hoped for, could it be you're overestimating what you actually put in? And, and let me tell you where this comes from, because it, it comes, honestly, from a sincere place. Because it's not that you don't care. We care, otherwise we wouldn't invest into these things. But it comes from this mentality of living a very calculated life, wanting to play it safe, not putting ourselves out there, wanting to put in the minimum and hopefully get back the maximum. We, we want to stay here because it's comfortable. We want to stay here because it's secure. We, we want to stay here because I know what to expect. So, you know, I'll go to church, but I'm going to give them the offering. I'll, I'll, I'll watch from a distance, but I won't join a team. You know, I'll, I'll attend, but I don't want to make any commitment. I'll just slip out the back when it's time for the prayer. Don't want anybody to know me. Well, we live this way because it's safe, secure. We know what to expect. And I'm telling you this. I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to save you because I don't want you to make the same mistake so many people make where they get to the second half of their life and they live in regret, not at the things that they did, but the things that they didn't do. That's why so many people live with regret. Not for things they did. They regret the things that they, the times they didn't put themselves out there. The places they didn't invest in. They get to the second half of their life and they're looking at minimal results, mediocre results, wondering why. Can I tell you? It's because that's what you put in. God's called you to go all in. When, when we don't think like owners, we, we, we think like renters. You know, when, when we think like renters, we, we don't paint the house. We, we don't do landscaping. We, we don't fix the, the, the crack. We, we don't do any of this because we're just renting. It's just temporary. And a lot of us, we, we have a renter's mindset with our life. We don't take ownership of it. And we don't do the creative best we can with what we've been handed. Can I tell you, start today. Go all in with your life today. Do your very, very best today. Give everything you have today. It matters. The next thing, though, is this. Full ownership means that you don't play the victim. 
It means don't, don't play the victim with your life. I, I get it's a really popular thing to do. And I think the reason is because, I mean, when you play the victim well, you get people's attention. When you play the victim well, you get people's sympathy. And if you don't play the victim well, well, you don't get people's attention and you don't get people's sympathy. But owning your story means you don't allow yourself to play the victim. <laughs> because, and I like the way Pastor Kevin says this in his book, he says, when you play the victim, you stay the victim. When you play the victim, you stay the victim. And here's what I've learned. Is that in, in my years of dealing with people, most people who play the victim, they don't realize that they're playing the victim. See, th this message is coming to you. Not, not to condemn. I'm, there is no shame, guilt, or condemnation in any of this message. I am coming to you today to encourage you. I am coming to you to set you free. I am coming to you to help you pay attention to the thoughts that you are thinking and the words that you are saying out of your mouth because many of us are living in prisons that we have created for ourselves. And here's why it matters. You cannot play the victim and be the victor at the same time. See, eventually you got to choose. Do I want to get sympathy for this or do I want to get over this? Do I want to get attention for this or do I want to get better? Do I want to stay here and live in this or do I want to move on to what God has for me? Do I want to move past this? And I get why people do it. It feels good to get people. I, I like it when people are focused on me. I love me some me. Is there anybody else out there that loves me some me? Look, I like it when I get the attention. I like it when people feel sorry for me. That feels good. It makes me feel better, but it does not make me better. It does not fix the problem. It does not help me move past where I'm at. If I want to move forward into what God has for me, I have to move beyond where I'm at. Let me read you this scripture. I'll, I'll give you another one. 1 John 5, 4 says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So that means that within you, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, God, God has put the power inside of you and inside of me to be an overcomer, to move beyond, to move beyond whatever injustice, whatever wrong, whatever negative circumstance and situation and evil that has happened to you. He has put inside of you the ability to be an overcomer. Look what it says. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It's our faith, living naked and unafraid, owning your story. It's about bold faith. It's about recognizing that God has the opportunity to take evil and turn it for good. I love this scripture that says, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. You know what's funny about that scripture? You can look it up. It's in 2 Corinthians 2.14. <laughs> what's funny about that scripture is it's written by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Do you know anything about Paul? I'll tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul wrote that. He was wrongly accused. Paul wrote that. He was unjustly put into prison. Paul wrote that. He was beaten and abused. Three times he was shipwrecked, thought he was going to die. And this is the guy who said, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. How can you say something like that, Paul? Well, he knew, hey, 
even if they kill me, I get to be with Christ. <laughs> if I stay here, it's going to lead to a lot more fruitful ministry. If I stay here, it's another testament to God's glory because he's going to bring me through it. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. It's just part of the story. And maybe Paul could say that because he knew this. This is the third one. That the full ownership policy means you don't shift the blame. You, you don't shift the blame. Blame shifting is simply projecting fault on other people for the conditions of your life. Now, if you do this, just recognize it. it started with the first two humans that God ever created. Maybe you know the story. God made Adam and Eve, placed them in the garden that he had also made, made the world. He said, hey, this is yours. I want you to take ownership of it. Freedom, have dominion, take care of it. But one thing, though, don't eat of this certain tree. And wouldn't you know, they do the one thing God commanded them not to do. They, they ate of the one tree. So God, he sees this, shows up to Adam, says, Adam, what, what, what were you doing? You know, Adam said, uh, it's not my fault. It's the woman. God, it's a woman's fault. It's a woman's fault that you gave me. So not is it only Eve's fault, but he's really saying, God, it's your, if you shouldn't have given her to me. God goes to Eve. What, what's going on? She says, it's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. He deceived me. And ever since then, everybody is projecting and placing blame other places. It's not just them, though. I mean, it's so common. It's, it starts even as kids. I mean, my kids could give you a master class on how to place blame someplace else. I walked into the house the other day. They said, Dad, my brother made me punch him. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Yeah, you know, he made me mad. I just couldn't take it. And I had to punch him. Are you crazy? Punched him? Are you listening to the words coming out of your mouth right now? <laughs> but that's what happens. We, we, we place blame. It's his fault. The, the best one, though, I'll, I'll tell you this. The best one is, uh, like my wife, if you know my wife at all, she loves to celebrate. Every holiday she celebrates. And, and she's got, she decorates the house. She, I mean, she goes all out for everything. And she does this weird kind of thing uh, where, where she'll put out decorations, but um, her decorations are candy. I don't know if anybody else does this. Like Easter, there's, there's like candy on the table. and Halloween, well, those are obvious ones. But, I mean, I, I promise you, like Labor Day, she will have candy. On, it's going to be like paydays and 100 grand, like for Labor Day. I don't know. She's got this thing about putting candy. You can't eat it just to look at. It's like a Pinterest thing. I'm not sure. But, but she'll, she'll put it on the table. And my kids, they, they see candy, they're going to eat it. And they, they, they see it, they eat it. Kids don't eat it. It's not for eating. It's just for looking. My son Oliver says, well, Mom, if you didn't want me to eat it, you shouldn't put it where I could see it. How many think that sounds like a reasonable explanation to you? <laughs> yeah. It's your fault. Don't put it where I can see it, and I wouldn't eat it. We, we project blame on others. It's not just kids. It's common for all of us. We, we blame our boss. We, we blame our team. We blame our pastor. I know none of you blame your pastor, but 
Everybody who's not watching this right now, they blame their pastor. <laughs> blame, blame our government. Blame our spouse. Blame our parents. Blame our kids. I know some of you are watching like, but pastor, you don't understand. It really is their fault. I know. <laughs> but as long as you want to nurse it, as long as you want to curse it, as long as you want to rehearse it, put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it, as long as you want to do that, <laughs> you will not change it. You won't change it. I know it's acceptable. I know it's normal. I know it makes you feel better, but it doesn't make you better. And I know there's like five of you that I'm talking to today. This message only applies to five of you. None of you ever like deal with placing blame on other people. But for the five of you that are listening, I I'm going to keep preaching this message. I, I want to help you today. And can I just say, by the way, blaming yourself doesn't help either. Because that's the other end of the spectrum. When I say don't project blame or don't place blame, what we do is, well, if I can't blame them, then I'm just going to blame myself. It's my fault. I'll, I'll take all of it. No, you're, you're misunderstanding me. I'm saying get out of the blame game altogether. <laughs> Placing blame doesn't help it. I'm not telling you to place all the blame on yourself. I'm just saying take ownership that it happened. Wasn't your fault. Wasn't necessarily their fault, but it happened. And when you get out of the blame, blame game, the last one I want to tell you, the full ownership policy means you don't make excuses. You don't make excuses. I, I told you about our house, our first house we bought, and the water heater. The truth is that wasn't the only problem with the new house. When we bought this house, uh, somebody had planted this weird bush tree thing. I say bush tree thing because I, re I really don't know what it is. I'm not a horticulturist. I can't even say that word. But they planted this weird bush tree thing, and it was gnarly. It, it, it was all twisted. It was dead. It was ugly. We move in. We're like, man, you got you to gotta get that thing out of here. It's an eyesore. <laughs> I didn't plant it, though. It's not my fault. You know what? The previous owners, they should have taken care of it. That's what really should have happened. And both those things are true. And sometimes when you, when, you, when you acknowledge those things, it'll lead you to another one which sounds good but is not true because, like, you could say, well, look, if God wanted me to have this tree bush thing, he would take care of it. That's for all the hyper-spiritual people. If God wanted me to be married, he would bring somebody into my life. Or you could, like, put yourself out there, go on a date. If God wanted me to have this job, he would give me the job. Or you could, like, take it upon yourself to get some training, develop your skills, be faithful in the place where you're at right now. If God wanted me to have this tree, he would take care of the tree. I tell you, God's not going to take care of your tree. you got to take ownership of it. In fact, Jesus said something about trees. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 33. He said, make a tree good. And its fruit will be good. Make a tree. You look it up for yourself. Matthew 12, 33. Make a tree good and it will be good. In other words, Jesus didn't say pray over your tree and I'll come down and fix it for you. No, you got to take ownership of it. You got to prune it. You got to cut it back. You, you got to cultivate it. 
It's not saying he's not going to get involved. It's just saying you do what you can do, and he'll do the things that only he can do. That's what you want God doing, the things that only he can do. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what pain has happened in your life, what hurt, what evil, what injustice. I got a word for you today. You can recover from it. You can heal. You can heal. I know you can because God created you to heal. Think back to the cuts and scrapes you got as a kid. They scabbed over. And you might have some scars today. I have some battle wounds. But the point is, your body healed. Your body is designed to heal. And just like God made you to heal physically, he has made you to heal spiritually. He has made you to heal emotionally. God has created you to heal. Doesn't mean you won't have to go through a process. Doesn't mean you won't have to have the support of friends. Doesn't mean you won't have to get counseling. Doesn't mean you won't have to put in the work. It doesn't mean that it's not a long process. Doesn't mean that it's instantaneous. But if you will take ownership of your story, what it means is that God can even take the evil in your life and turn it for good, can turn it for his purpose. Here's the main point of this message I want you to get, that when you own your story, you can write a new ending. When, when you own it, you can write a new ending. Yes, that happened. Yes, it was evil. Yes, it was wrong. Yes, you wouldn't have chose that. Yes, it was bad. Yes, you shouldn't have made that decision. Yes, if you could take it back, you would. Yes, if you could undo it, you would. Yes, it was evil, but when you take ownership of it, it just means that God can work it out for your good. You might have had a setback, but your story is about a comeback. You might have been rejected, but your story is about you being accepted. You, you might have experienced hate, but your story is the fact that you are loved by God. You might have been hurt, but you can heal. You might have been offended, but you don't have to stay living that way. God gives you beauty for ashes. He gives you joy for mourning. He gives you healing for heartache. When you live naked and unafraid, 